We're jumping back into our One Church, One Mission series today after a couple weeks off with, with spring break. Uh, we're, we're looking at the last of our kind of core values, the fourth of our core values. But before we just dive right into that value, I think it'd be good with a couple weeks in between here to maybe just kind of recap and make sure we're on the same page and remembering what we're even talking about. So uh, our, our vision, right? Our vision has been since, it, since we started this church over about nine years ago, uh, our vision is to be a gospel-centered community on mission. That's what we're striving to be. We're not, we're not that perfectly. We'll never be that perfectly, but we're aspiring the, to the best of our abilities by God's grace, empowered by the Spirit, to be a gospel-centered community on mission. And this is kind of our, our, our church's mission statement. Redeemer exists to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, build them together as God's church, and send them out to live on mission in Bloomington and throughout the world. Right, that's our mission. As a church, we want to live in such a way that we see more and more people believe. We want people to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and put their faith, their trust in Jesus. We want to see more and more people belong to, to become a part of the family of God in God's church here at Redeemer, uh, where we can help one another and encourage one another, build one another up and spur one another on to, to love and good works of ministry that, that bring glory to God and joy to many, many people. And we want to see more and more people become, to see them become ambassadors of Christ, living on mission both locally and globally, uh, to share the gospel with those who need to hear it in our lives and the, the scopes of, uh, of our relationships. We want to see people become ambassadors of God's mercy and God's justice and God's grace and God's glory as we seek to live for Jesus and his fame in every way possible. That's our mission. That's our hope, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, build them together as God's church, and send them out to live on mission in Bloomington and throughout the world. We want to be a gospel-centered community on mission, seeing more and more people believe, belong, and become. And we've been looking at these core values, right, that kind of serve as a, a system of guardrails for like, okay, how do we live out and lean into this, this mission that we feel we've been called to? How do, we, how do we decide what the ministries are that we do in this church and, and what, how we do those ministries? And so we've been looking at these core values, and so far we've, we looked at our first three values. They'll all be listed up here, I think, on the screen, biblical faithfulness, gospel-centered, transformative community. And today we're looking at, at the fourth and final value of renewal-driven mission, where we say that the love and mercy of Christ moves us to join Jesus in his mission of making disciples and seeking the renewal of all things as we share his love, his mercy, and his message both locally and globally. And we see this call to renewal-driven mission both in the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and also in the words of the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 7. And so we're actually going to read both of those passages uh, real briefly here. Invite you to begin by turning to Matthew 28, and then you can flip back to Jeremiah 29 if you want. And let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Jeremiah 29, 7, 
But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this time to gather and we pray by your grace that you would grip our hearts today to see and embrace the mission that you've invited us into to live for you, to live for your glory, to live for for spreading the joy that there is to be found in you to to many, many others, both here in our city and throughout the world. God, would you give us your heart for Bloomington? Would you give us your heart for our neighbors who don't know you? Would you give us deep trust and faith that you can and you will save You will open hearts to faith. You will renew and restore all things. And help us, Lord, to step out in faith, to be a part of that process, to be a part of that mission that you've called us to. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. Right. If you've been around the church for more than a minute or two, uh, you're probably familiar with the passage in Matthew 28 that we call the the Great Commission. Uh, We could kind of sort of say that the Great Commission is really every church's mission statement, and every church's mission statement should probably be some sort of take on the Great Commission because that is the mission that Jesus gives his church. Uh, The reality is that God saves us and he sends us. He gives us a purpose and, and that purpose is to glorify him. And, and chief among the ways that we glorify him is, is by living on mission, on this mission that Jesus invites us into and calls us into. That's what we see as we put these passages here together. Uh, we're Christians, so we start with Jesus. So we're going to start with the words of Jesus in, in, in Matthew 28 and where he begins by giving us the mandate for mission. He begins with that in verse 18, right? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All, all, not like some, not like most, all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus, right? It doesn't even really matter what comes next after that. That should grab our attentions, And we should be ready to do whatever it is that Jesus calls us to do. Because all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus. Jesus could tell us to go go saddle up some unicorns and hunt some hobbits. And we should be like, all right, let's do it. Because all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus. He has all the authority to instruct us as he will. He has all the authority to command you. When you start to make it personal, that's where it gets uncomfortable, right? Because we are people, we live in a culture, we live in a world where we don't want someone to tell us what to do. We want to tell everybody else what they should do, right? But, but Jesus has the authority to command you. And this, this is post-resurrection Jesus speaking here after all, right? This is Jesus who left the riches of heaven Uh, made himself nothing, right? To be born as a man, a human baby, 
to grow and live the sinless life that we never could in our place. Jesus, who willingly then exchanged that perfect life and went to the cross for the joy that was set before him to endure the punishment for our sins that we deserved. Not only did he suffer the brutal violence of a crucifixion, the pain of that, but even more, he suffered the cosmic torment of suffering and paying the penalty, suffering all of God's wrath for all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future, poured out on him. And he absorbed every last drop of God's wrath. He died, he was buried, and on the third day, he was raised. We, we, we celebrate that next week, but we celebrate that every day as Christians. On the third day, he was raised victorious over Satan, sin, and death, displaying his overwhelming victory that accomplished your salvation and lavished you with his grace and mercy. Here is Jesus after he's accomplished all of that, saying he has been given all authority because he is the risen Savior and Lord. Like, obviously, all authority has been given to him. His, his death and resurrection testify to that truth. He is God. He is Lord. He is the one in authority. He is the authority over all other authorities. He's not an authority. He is the authority. Whether you embrace it or not, he is. And that authority is the mandate for mission. For this is what he does with that authority. He declares that he has it, and then he gives us our mission as his people as his disciples, as his church. And, and if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to see that this is what Jesus invites you into. He invites you into life, into having a purpose and a mission with him. Salvation is so much more than just avoiding hell. It's so much more than that. It's an invitation to real life abundant life, joyful life. It's an invitation into adventure and living for Christ as you follow him in community and you join him and his people on mission. We see first that mandate and then Jesus gives us the mission as we continue. The mission, put very simply, is make disciples. Make disciples. That's the central purpose that Jesus gives us to live for. Make disciples disciples. Make disciples. When I was in college, I uh, worked at a hotel, um, and I was a bellhop and a shuttle driver there, right? So uh, it was a nice hotel in Springfield, Missouri, and it was a, it was a really fun job. I got to meet some really interesting people, uh, some famous people. Uh, it was, you know, the nicest hotel in town, so that, you know, anybody who was anybody who was going to come there was going to stay there. And so I got to meet some notorious members of a very famous uh, crime family from New York City. Uh, I'm not going to name because I don't want them to come looking for me. Uh, but they had some family members who were permanent residents of the Federal Medical Center in Springfield, Missouri. So that's why they were there. And they were great tippers, by the way. You know, we were supposed to just drive people to and from the airport, but when they were in town, wherever they want to go, I'm, I'm down. Uh, and I'm glad I don't speak Italian. Anyway, uh, met them, run DMC. Anybody even old enough to know who that is? You should, right? Um, and, uh, you know, there's some Cubs fans, former Cubs pitcher Rick Sutcliffe and uh, the great Wayne Newton, Bob Barker, The Price is Right, you know. 
who's from Springfield, by the way, but whatever. Um, Lots of cool people, but that's not the story I really want to talk about. Uh, the, the one experience stands out on that job for, for a different reason for me, and that was this time I took just a random guy who had a couple bags, and he asked me to take him up to his room, and so I did. That's my job. I took, took the bags up, and I come back down to the bell stand, and then a little bit later, he comes by, and he's approaching me, and he has in his hand what appears to be a folded-up $20 bill to give me as a tip, which I'm getting pretty excited at that point because in 1997, and I'd say probably still today, that's a solid tip for carrying two bags to somebody's room, uh, 20 bucks. And I'm getting pumped like, wow, that, this is nice. And he hands it to me and then he just like bolts. He just runs off, like not literally runs, but like gets out of there so quick. I can't even say, thank you for the really generous tip. And he just gets out of there. Well, then I take a closer look at what he's handed me and I open it up and it's not a $20 bill. It looks like a $20 bill on the outside, but as you open it up, it's a gospel tract, right? And, and uh, you know, that was a very memorable moment for me because uh, I was actually a brand new believer. I'd just been a Christian for about a year or so at that point. And, and, and it really offended me on a number of levels. It offended me first on the level of the fact that I'm working a job where I don't make minimum wage. I am dependent upon tips to make at least minimum wage. And so, you know, when you kind of trick somebody by acting like you're giving them a really nice tip, but it's really not a tip, it was kind of offensive on that front. Um, But then it also offended me because I'm already a believer. And and I thought that this was was kind of giving us a, a pretty bad name with people who might work in a similar industry that I was working in. Uh, This is not a strategy that I think is very favorable uh, to our mission and to our loving other people. Uh, It's just really ineffective. Like, I mean, think about how is handing someone a fake $20 bill instead of a tip that they might really need uh, going to help them become a disciple of the Lord? If he would have stayed around, we at least could have had the engagement to have a conversation where I maybe could have encouraged him by letting him know that I actually was a Christian. But he didn't even stay around to talk to me. It's just like, here you go, out, you know? And even as a young Christian in those days, it seemed to be a pretty pathetic uh, way to live out our mission of making disciples. There's so much more to what Jesus is calling us to here in Matthew 28 than simply handing out gospel tracts and running off. Jesus tells us to make disciples. Make disciples, not pass out tracts. Make disciples. He tells us to make disciples, not just make converts by getting someone to pray a prayer and then moving on to someone else and having nothing more to do with them. He says, make disciples. And if we're called to to make disciples, it's probably really helpful for us to first understand what is a disciple. What are we talking about? What are we supposed to make when we're making disciples? And this is a definition of disciple that we have used throughout the years here that comes from a friend of mine named Scott Thomas. But a disciple is a spirit-led follower of Jesus, united with a gospel community on mission to people of all nations for the glory of God. And and you you see, uh, I think it's on the slide here, maybe uh, we have that, but uh, but there's like four components to this, this definition, right? Identity. Spirit-led follower of, of Jesus. Right? 
that we are in Christ. That's our identity. We are sons and daughters of God. We are spirit-led followers of Jesus. Community, we're rooted in gospel community in a local church. Mission, we're on mission to people of all nations. That means we're engaged as followers of Jesus in evangelism, discipleship, making more disciples. That's what a disciple does. A disciple makes more disciples. And all of this together is worship for the glory of God. As we put all of that together, we're, we're spirit-led, we're, we're following Jesus, we're, we're united with his church, we're living on mission. That gives God glory. That's worship. We're worshiping Jesus with all of our lives when we're doing that. And so, in other words, the mission to make disciples is the mission to make disciples that make disciples. Because disciples make disciples. Do you see where this is going? It never stops. You make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We need to remember we worship a missionary God who sends us as a missionary people. Jesus is both sent and sending, right? He, he came on the greatest mission trip of all time, sent by the Father to come and rescue us. And then here in Matthew 28, he's sending us, he's sending the church to keep, keep that mission going, to keep going out there and making more disciples. And so the church is both, likewise, sent and sending. We are to, to go. We're sent by Jesus to make disciples. But that means as we do that, we're going to send people out to make more disciples. In many ways, as you dig into it, the Great Commission is, is a call to church planting. It really is. And the book of Acts really displays this. The, the outflow of the gospel going forward and spreading throughout the, the known world of the time is what? What? Well, churches get planted, and then those churches plant more churches, and then those churches plant more churches. Because as you make disciples, you group them together in local bodies of believers with established godly leadership, and, and they worship together. They encourage one another, and they send people out to make more disciples. It just keeps going. With this call here in Matthew 28 to make disciples who make disciples, Jesus tells us to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you read in the New Testament, baptism is always associated with being incorporated into a community of believers, into a local church where there is accountability and support to continue growing in the faith, becoming a disciple who will in turn make more disciples. To go to the ends of the earth doing that, making disciples, baptizing them, incorporating them into a community of believers teaching them to obey and live for Jesus in every way means that we must plant churches to accomplish that. We must plant more churches to accomplish that. Plant new churches so that new believers might be incorporated into them to grow and flourish as they join Christ on his mission of making more disciples. Right? What a blessing it has been throughout the years of this church, even the short time we've been a church, nine years almost. We'll celebrate that in September, and hopefully we'll really celebrate that in September. Um, but nine years, we've, we've had the joy of being a part of seeing other churches planted for the glory of God through or specifically our partnership with Harbor Network, where we have the opportunity to directly give resources and encouragement to, to new church planters who are planting new churches throughout our country. Uh, through, through our partnership with Restore Brazil, 
where, where they're planting new gospel churches, Christian churches throughout the nation of Brazil. And specifically, the one church we've been praying for all this month, if you've been following along, Hedgy Church, where we had the opportunity to specifically be very personally involved in helping to plant that church with financial support, with prayer support, and in every non-pandemic year, going physically with some people to encourage and, and serve and, and be there with them alongside of them. And just three years ago, we sent out our, our, our very own planner from here who planted a new church in Terre Haute, Redeemer Terre Haute. We didn't tell him to call it that. We're not, it's not like a multi-site thing. We don't do that. But that's, that's what he chose to call the church there too. Uh, but we sent him out to plant a new church. Jesus is clear that making disciples is the mission of, of every church. We're to be involved in that as a congregation. But he also makes it clear that it's the mission of every single Christian. You know, it's helpful maybe here to, to note kind of the distinction between missions-minded versus being missional. Because I think sometimes a lot of churches are missions-minded, but maybe not so much missional. And when you talk about missions-minded, we're talking about churches that financially support overseas missionaries. Uh, they, they go to missions conferences. They'll have missionary speakers come in or they'll go on short-term mission trips, all those sorts of things. By the way, those are all sorts of things that we're engaged in at some level or another. We support overseas missions financially, monthly, with, with over 10% of the money that comes into this church is going back out to support other gospel works like that, both in the nation and abroad. Uh, we support church planners, I think, on uh, uh, three other continents right, right now other than our own. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I'm bad at math. Maybe it's four. Um, but, but that's what we're doing, right? We're involved in those sorts of things. But a missional church goes a little bit further and, and recognizes all of those things as well, but then says, yeah, but there's also a mission field right here. And we also have mission to do right across the street and right next door. And in all the, the relationships that we're already involved in, there are opportunities to live on mission. And so we're engaged in all of that, but also recognize at the same time, there's mission right here. The word go here in Matthew 28, 19 really carries with it the meaning of as you are going. As you are going. Like you're always going somewhere, but as you are going there, make disciples. Right? You could say, in other words, it's, it's wherever you go, wherever you find yourself. Your mission field is, is wherever God has you at the moment your neighborhood, your, your workplace, your school, maybe even your home, right? We celebrated these child and family dedications. And you think about the mission of God, the, the, the great commission we're called to. It always starts near and then works out far. Starts near and then it works out to the ends of the earth. But who's the nearest mission field to so many of us in this room? For many of us, that nearest mission field is our own children who have yet to, for themselves, own and embrace Christ and saving faith in a way that, that's really theirs. And so we have a call to pour the gospel in our kids. As a church, one of the nearest mission fields, probably the nearest mission field to us every day is this building right next door to us where our kids gather, you know, for, for Redeemer kids. And pre-pandemic, they were like, a hundred kids from like nursery through uh, fifth grade who would gather on a Sunday in that building between two gatherings. And post-pandemic, when we're through this and everybody's back, it's probably gonna be like 800 <laughs> kids, right? Not gonna go too far into that because I don't wanna get fired today. 
But you all know what's been going on, right? So lots of babies, and that's a great blessing. It's a wonderful gift, but you know what? It's also an incredible opportunity. Incredible opportunity for us to pour the gospel into the nearest mission field to us, which is a simple plug here that I think is not just a plug, but actually a, an application point of where the gospel should be pushing some of us is as you are feeling comfortable and you're coming back here, especially those of you who've been vaccinated and all of that too, man, we need some more volunteers to be able to fully reopen Redeemer Kids. And until we have enough volunteers who are willing to serve, we can't really have all the classes and all the opportunities open for all of the 800 kids that are now a part of this church. So pray about that. May the Lord lead you in that. And if you got questions about that, talk to Jessica. I'm sure she would love to visit with you about what that looks like to get involved with that ministry. But what an opportunity we have. What opportunity we have with, with our neighbors in, in, in our neighborhoods, with folks that we're just in our, in our scope of relationships, our friends who do not know Jesus, who need to know him. What an opportunity we have to join Jesus on mission. And this isn't to deny like that there is a special call for folks who start pioneering gospel works in, in countries and especially in places where there is no gospel work at all to this point. That is a special call that should be honored and should be celebrated. But, but hear me, all of us have a call to mission at some level. We may not all be called to go start a new church in a country that's never heard the gospel. We may not all be called to vocational ministry uh, to you know, serve and work for a church, if you will. But we all have been called by Jesus to go and make disciples if you're in Christ. All of us, all of us. First Peter 2, 9 and 10, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may what? Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And you've re received mercy not just to sit there, but to press into Jesus and to press into his people, but also be pressed out to share that hope, that joy, that life with other people who need to know about it, who need to have the opportunity to be invited into it. Who are those people? Who are those people that God's placed in your life? Missional believers engage in the mission of making disciples ultimately because they understand that through the gospel, they have been made missionaries of the gospel. Right? We're, we're called to this. And it's not something we do just by ourselves. We're called to do it as a church together. But the bottom line is there is no such thing as a Christian who is not a missionary in that sense. No such thing. And the mission you have been given is to make disciples. So then we need to understand what it looks like for you and me to be living on mission practically in our lives. What does it look like for us as a church and as individuals? There's a reality that, that in our culture and in the world that we live in, we are innately consumers to the core. So one of the first things we have to do is we, need a, 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 we have a much needed mind shift that needs to take place in our lives, right? As consumers, here's what happens. As consumers, you and I, we view our finances primarily as our own, right? I earned this, it's mine, like, I work for this, 
It's mine, and I get to use it how I see fit to bless me, make me comfortable, make me happy, take care of what I want to take care of, do what I want to do. But as Christians, the generosity of Jesus who, for your sake, made himself poor, that you by his poverty might become rich, that moves you to see your finances as a gift from God to be wisely leveraged in obedience to his call to love and serve others. As consumers, your view, my view of time is often defined by what? Being busy, right? Your schedule rules your life. We act like we're just a slave to our schedule, although we're the ones who keep plugging all the things into it all the time, right? But it rules my life. I don't have time for that. Too busy. But the gospel moves you to see your time as a gift from God, to be wisely leveraged in obedience to his call to love and serve others. And as consumers, you and I, we tend to view our homes as a retreat from the world, a fortress to disappear into and to recharge. But the gospel frees us to open our hands again and to see your home as an opportunity to invite and welcome others in hospitality. We need this mind shift. We need to, we need to think like missionaries. You know, if you and I were, were going to Brazil... Uh, to live as, as vocational missionaries, right? We're going to plant a new church in Brazil. Uh, almost all of us in this room, I'm assuming, unless somebody's here that I don't know and recognize. But what's one of the first things we're going to need to do? We're going to need to learn to speak Portuguese because probably most of us don't do that. Uh, that's going to be a little bit important if we want to communicate with the people of Brazil. We're going to have to learn Portuguese. We're going to have to learn the language and be able to speak it to connect with the people, to share the message of the gospel in their own language. We're going to want to learn all we can about Brazilian culture. What are the, what are the festivals that they celebrate? What, what are the festivals that we can join in and celebrate? What are the things that we could have? We're going to say that I can't go that far. Uh, we need to honor the Lord and we need to abstain from that part. But what, do we, what, what can we enter into? What, what do we have to, where do we draw the line of what we can enter into? We're going to, we're going to want to know what do the people love, right? One thing that's going to mean is we're all going to become soccer fans. If we were going to Brazil, you're a soccer fan now, like it or not. And guess what? You're not going to call it soccer anymore because literally no one in the world other than America calls it soccer. It's fuchiball there. That's how you pronounce it in Portuguese. That's, that's my Portuguese. That's my pretty much fluent. I can say fuchiball. <laughs> not at all. But that's what we do, but it's the same thing here. It's the same thing here. In many ways, our mindset should be no different about Bloomington, Indiana right now. What is the language and the culture of Bloomington? Do you know how to speak it? Do you know how to connect with people who aren't Christians here? What are the celebrations of our city? What are the celebrations that we can take part in? Where do we have to draw the line and say, no, I must honor the Lord. I cannot celebrate that. But where can we enter in? Where, where the, where's, what's the art and the beauty that we can say, like, yeah, I want to be a part of celebrating this because God's glory is present even in this art that comes from people that don't know him. 
How can we enter into the culture and seek to redeem it with the good news of Jesus? That's what we see unfolding in many ways when you flip over to Jeremiah 29. And God, in that chapter, he's speaking to uh, the exiles of Israel who have been taken into captivity into Babylon. And in their minds, in Jeremiah 29, those exiles, those Israelite exiles are thinking, we got two options here, right? We can can either stay outside the city, keep ourselves completely from it and separate from it because that big, bad, evil, wicked Babylon will just corrupt us. So we'll stay outside here. We'll be safe. Those people want to maybe find their way to us. And if we think that they're acceptable enough, they want to embrace our God, maybe we'll let them in, but we will have nothing to do with that city. It will just ruin us if we have anything to do with it. That's option one. Option two is they think, okay, the other option is we go into the city. But if we do that, we're going to become completely one with the city. We're going to embrace all of the godless values of that culture in that place and become one with it in every single way. That's the second option. And they think they only have those two choices. Either we, we stay outside, we keep our distinctiveness as God's people, or we go in and we lose it all. And we've just become one with a godless culture. But then God comes to those people, those exiles from Israel, living there in Babylon. And he offers a third option in Jeremiah 29, four through seven. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles of whom I have sent from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city which I, where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is the third option. Move into the city, but keep your distinctiveness as God's people. Move into the city and plant roots, right? Build houses, plant gardens. When it's talking about giving your sons and daughters in marriage, this isn't like saying, oh, just get absorbed in the godless culture and let your sons and daughters marry anyone. That's not what it's saying. It's actually saying, no, plan to stay a while so your kids are gonna need to marry and you want them to marry godly people and they're gonna raise godly kids and they're gonna marry godly people and raise more godly kids. It's that, that's the plan. Move in, be a part of the city, but keep your distinctiveness. Be in it, but not of it. That's what Jesus talks about, right? That's what Jesus means when he says that. This word welfare Seek the welfare of the city to which I've sent you into exile. Is the Hebrew word shalom. And that, that word shalom means so much more. It's often translated peace or welfare, but it means like way more than peace, way more than welfare and what we're thinking about. Shalom really carries with it the idea of things as God intended them to be. Like thinking about Bloomington as God would have designed and intended Bloomington to develop had there never been a fall. That's shalom. That's the welfare we're to be seeking after for our city. That it would be the Bloomington that Jesus is gonna restore and renew and remake in the new heavens and new earth. That's what we're working toward. That's what we're joining in in with Jesus as he seeks to, to do that work and begin that work right now. So, We live this out by being a church that's in the city for our city. 
seeking after its renewal, right? What, renewal-driven mission, that's what this is. That's what shalom is all about. Renewal-driven mission. We're pursuing a restored, renewed, fully redeemed world, person by person in this place that we've been called to, in this time that we've been called here. Sharing Christ's love, Christ's mercy, and Christ's message with the people of our city. Right? Seeking the welfare of Bloomington goes far beyond passing out gospel tracts and making social media posts. It goes way far beyond all that. Renewal-driven mission, seeking shalom, is about seeking the renewal of all things. So it, it can't just mean meeting material needs either because the renewal of all things is, is not just physical, it's spiritual. It's a total redemption in every way. So it's got to go further than just meeting physical needs too. It's got to involve all of that. It's going to involve all of those things. It's going to, it's going to involve sharing Christ's love, mercy, and joining in his mission of, of making disciples. That's why we look forward to, Lord willing, having a, a real care clinic again this summer uh, where we will, we will, yes, we'll give out free school supplies and we will offer free non-emergency medical exams and we'll have free haircuts and we'll give out food to folks in need of all of those things. But we don't just pass them out. We're also at the same time seeking to extend an invitation to relationship, both with us and ultimately with Christ. If you've not been here when we've done one of those before, uh, all of this nonsense and craziness that we're walking through happened, right? Like before the pandemic, like a care clinic, we, we intentionally didn't just have tables set up with people just grab free stuff and leave. No, but we had folks come in and each person or family was assigned an advocate from our church, a representative from our church who escorted that person or family through that care clinic and at each step of the way had opportunity to try to build relationship, engaging in some conversation, trusting in the Holy Spirit's leading to share the gospel, offering to pray for that person or that family and inviting them to, to come back and connect with the church, whether it's in worship or in community or, or whatever other way we can continue the relationship. We want to offer relationship both with us and with Jesus. It's the same way what we do with our, our food pantry that we have on every Tuesday and Thursday here. We're not just looking to pass out food to, to neighbors in our neighborhood who need it, but we wanna, we wanna offer relationship while also meeting a practical need. We wanna open doors to share the gospel and invite people in a relationship with Jesus and his church. We pray very soon that our, our community groups will be able to resume you know, each month the practice of, of creating hospitality events and opportunities, creating spaces for, for outsiders to become insiders, hosting cookouts in, in backyards or front yards or wherever you can do it, and inviting unchurched neighbors and friends to come enjoy good food, meet some people, offer the, the invitation to relationship with one another, trusting the Spirit's lead to share the gospel, invite people to know Christ, praying that the Lord would use that to reach people who need to know him. We wanna be a church that enters in the life of our city in the ways that we can, where it doesn't compromise our faith, but celebrates the beauty that brings God glory that we might be present to connect and celebrate and share Jesus with those who need to know him. And we all want each of our members to be living on mission where God has you, in your neighborhoods, in your network of friends, whether you're here for the next few months or the next few years or the next 50 years. 
We want you to be intentionally embracing that call to live on mission where God has you right now. So what can you do? What can you do personally to join in the mission that Jesus has for you here in Bloomington? We talk about in our membership class, if you've been a part of that, like three strands of mission, uh, kind of like three strands of a rope that, you know, ideally all three strands are are present uh, all the time, but in God's sovereignty, if a strand is missing from time to time, the, the rope can still hold. There's still something going on there. But three strands, right? One strand of building relationships. Secondly, of introducing people to community. And thirdly, sharing the gospel. So building relationships. You're a human being. You were created to relate. You're able to build relationships, right? So, so meet people. Invite them into your home. and Invite them into your life. Make a nice dinner, Right? Have you had your neighbors over for dinner and maybe it feels still a little uncomfortable to do that? Maybe your neighbors are up for that. Maybe you're up for that. Invite them over and invest some money in it. Make it a good meal. Right? Show some real hospitality. Lavish them with, with good hospitality, welcoming them and loving them and seeking to get to know their story before you just try to share yours. Trusting the Spirit to open up opportunities to share Jesus. Maybe they're not ready for the meal. Maybe you make them some nice baked goods and you drop them by and you, you seek to have an opportunity to, to build connections. Whatever it is, building relationships, introducing people to community, leveraging those hospitality opportunities with community groups to invite people to come meet other people from the church. Like going out to dinner together, invite Christians and non-Christians to go together so they can meet each other. So that it's more than just you who's maybe you know, sharing with that person and encouraging them and pointing them to Christ. Maybe you're the one who invites them and connects them with somebody else who actually shares the gospel and they embrace Jesus in faith. You know what? That's called a win. Like, it doesn't have to be you all the time. So doing this together as a community, as a, as a family, connecting people, inviting them to church, inviting them to your community group. Next Sunday is a great opportunity. Invite someone to Easter Sunday or the Good Friday gathering and sharing the gospel. Have you ever heard that quote, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words? It's stupid. Um, It's a dumb quote. It's actually not true. You must use words to share the gospel. Read Romans 10. Like you need to share the gospel. You need to open your mouth and give a verbal witness of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that has saved you from your sin and tell people how Jesus moves towards you in your sin and invites you to move toward him and find freedom and forgiveness and grace and life and joy and peace in him. You gotta say that. You gotta use words. So much of of evangelism and living on mission, I think, is just being honest. If you're in a community group that meets on Tuesday... When someone asks you, what are you doing tonight on Tuesday? You, know, you can say, I have a meeting. But that's not really honest. You say, no, I have a community group with my church. And we're, you know, and oh, what do you do that? Well, we, we dig into the, God's word together and we pray for one another. We, we, we support one another, encourage one another in our faith. So much of evangelism is just being honest, telling the truth about what's important to you. The motive needs to be our love for Christ and our love for our neighbors. You know, there's a quote several years ago from uh, the Penn and Teller uh, magician duo, and some of you may not know who I'm talking about because you're too young, but, um, but if, did, did you guys know who I'm talking about, Penn and Teller? You're like, nope, never, never mind. 
We completely missed that. It's okay. They're completely irrelevant at this point. But what's important, and it doesn't matter if you know him, is I think it's Penn of Penn and Teller, is an atheist. But he was quoted in an article saying, uh, basically along these lines, how much do you have to hate me if you believe your faith to be true and you won't proselytize? You won't tell other people about the only means of rescue. If you believe that Jesus is the only means of rescue, that there's a heaven and there's a hell, and that if I don't know Christ, I'm going to hell, how much do you have to hate me that you would not open your mouth and tell me about that news? That's from an atheist, friends. The motive needs to be our love for Christ and our love for our neighbor. Do you love your neighbors? We need to pray that we have a heart like Jesus does for us with our neighbors, a heart like he has for them with them. Well, what if you're afraid? What if you don't know where to begin? The answer is the gospel. The answer is always the gospel. It's what moves us on mission. The cross of Christ moves us to join Jesus on mission. As you look at Jesus and you, you see how he has pursued you, how he has rescued you through his life, death, and resurrection, how Jesus spared nothing in accomplishing your salvation, how he shed his own blood for you, his very own blood, how he pursued you with great patience and relentless love, even when you're turned your back on him and you're running in the opposite direction. So patient, so loving. Seeing that is what moves you to step out and risk the approval of others. And when you think about what Jesus not only risked, but actually suffered, and losing the approval of, of some other people is really nothing in comparison to that. Nothing. The gospel moves you to step out and to love your neighbors. It moves you to serve. It moves you to speak up and share the gospel. And if the, if the gospel's taking root in your own heart, if it's really gripping you, it, it will, you will not be able to keep it within you. You will have to share it. You will be so excited. You'll be so joyful about what Jesus is doing in you. You will want other people to know that and experience that too. You won't be able to contain it. That will move you on mission. Listen, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, I pray that what you hear from me in this place is that Jesus loves you, that Jesus loves you, that he has spared no expense of doing everything necessary to invite you into saving relationship, into abundant life with him. And he possesses all authority in heaven and on earth to make that invitation and to declare you forgiven, free, redeemed today. If you but receive it, embrace him and trust him right now. I pray that you would. I pray that you would hear and respond to that, that you would see that Jesus made much of you so that he might free you to make much of him. Believers, I hope that you hear that as well. Jesus has made much of you in bringing about your salvation, but he has not made much of you just so you can add Jesus to the, the list of things that you're juggling around in your life. Right? No, Jesus made much of you that you might be freed to make much of him in all of your life, in every aspect, in all you are, in all you do. Jesus saves us and he sends us to be a, a glorious outpost for his kingdom, to be a church in the city for the city. 
where people might get a glimpse of what it looks like to be truly human in the way we live and love and serve one another. This is our call as a church, to be a church in the city of Bloomington for the city of Bloomington. That we would be a community of missionaries living out the gospel, displaying it in the way we care for one another. A community that loves and serves our city, that has a heart, has Jesus' heart for our city, sharing the gospel as we openly proclaim where our hope is found. It is in Jesus and in him alone. We need to open our eyes to the people around us. Who, who are the people that right now the Lord is placing on your heart, in your mind? People in your life who need to know him. Open your eyes to the people around you, to the opportunities around you, to the needs that need to be met around you. We need to open our hearts in our homes and our wallets to invest in relationship and invest in caring for others, invest in opportunities to share Jesus with people who need to know him. And we need to open our mouths and give a verbal witness to tell people about the grace that we found in Christ, sharing the good news of his life, death, and resurrection to save sinners like you and me. Let the gospel move you. Let it propel you to join Jesus in his renewal-driven mission for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Help us to see and to know and to be absolutely gripped by the love and mercy that you have shown us in your son. Holy Spirit, equip us and empower us to to join Jesus in his mission of making disciples and, and seeking the renewal of all things. May you save your people here in this place through us as we share Christ's love and mercy and his message in this city that we love. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.